Hey everyone, Tony and John here, bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. After starting the season 0-4, the Kings have won back-to-back games, beating Miami, then headed over to Charlotte, North Carolina, and beat the Hornets. So, man, two-game winning streak after a very slow start. John, how are we feeling? Well, I mean, you know, it... it, it the, for all the obvious issues that the Kings had had, um, they'd still been really close. They'd been in these games that they were losing. They owned four start. It wasn't as if they, you know, were totally lacking. They played four really good teams in the Clippers game in particular. Um, the opposition hit some tough shots. Um, and, you know, that happens, and especially when you're playing good teams. Um, and they knew they had to be better. They knew that, you know, it's not like every team is just miraculously having uh, a good shooting game. Uh, the Kings actually gave up, I think as of recording right now, they give up the, the highest field goal percentage to their opponent. So, and a lot, and they're giving up one of the most points in the paint per game. So there are clear issues rotationally, paint protection, rim protection, uh defensively um but overall i mean like you look at that miami game they led the whole way you know miami they didn't look super great on their west coast road trip to start the game but you know they still have great players tyler hero had a great game um but the kings led the whole way held on won the game can't really complain too much um and then again charlotte that was 15 point deficit at halftime and they came back. They held uh, the Hornets to 41 points in the second half. Um, you know, they're missing their best player and Terry Rozier as well, who's a good contributor and also another guy that I can't remember. But, um, uh, you know, that was one of those games where, you know, the resiliency didn't just come from a 15-point deficit. It came from the fact that also their best player, their leading scorer, went down. And they were not getting off to a good start offensively in that game. So it looked like they were going to lose that game, no doubt. And guys stepped up. And it was inc- it was, it was probably one of their better games of the season just for that reason, just seeing the, the, the heart of this team. For a team that a year ago probably would have so easily had given up in a situation like that. Yeah, and I was a little nervous playing Charlotte personally. Um, I feel like the last couple times that we've played Charlotte, it just it just didn't really go well. Um, I think I, I can't remember if both of these games happened last year or these games happened like in the past two seasons. But there was one game where the Kings blew like a a nine point lead in the last minute of the game to lose to Charlotte, and then last year in December. <laughs> The, I, the whole Hornets, like half the Hornets team was down, including all their best players from COVID. Like Lamelo was out, Hayward was out, Rozier was out, everyone was out. And the Kings still managed to lose that game, even though <laughs> I think it was Cody Martin fouled De'Aaron Fox with like two seconds left in the game. And he thought they, they had a foul to give. And the Kings were down by one at that moment. <laughs> and, they, and Fox missed both free throws to lose the game. So I just feel like we're just historically or recently historically bad against the uh, the Hornets. I, I think I read somewhere that last night's or Monday night's victory was the first win in Charlotte in five years. 
Which is kind of surprising because, I mean, think about Charlotte in the last five years. Like, that's a team you should beat. <clears throat> so it was nice that we could go into Charlotte, get the win. That was like our first team that we played where it's like, okay, this is a legit winnable game. But also a game at this point, I, I feel like we say this every year, like that's a team we should be beating. Like if we're a playoff team, we're a, even a play-in team, you have to beat the Hornets. And, and you know what? Fox went out. Sabonis fouled out for the second straight game. But, you know, Davion stepped up. Um, everyone, you know, Herter had another great game. Others stepped up, and they pulled out that W. So it was nice. It was nice to see back-to-back wins because I also would have hated to start the season one and five. Yeah. And also there's the wider issue last season of just no matter what team it play, they played, Stars would either sit against the Kings or Stars would be hurt, and the Kings would come out having the advantage in that department, and they wouldn't play any better than that team. Countless times. And, you know, it's just that kind of points that overall kind of shift in this team. But um, I think the thing we kind of mentioned in passing there was uh, the injury to Fox, which is, you know, a bone bruise to his right knee. He suffered it in the early in the second quarter uh, of the Charlotte game. Uh, trying to take a charge, uh, had, uh, I think the opponent's leg or other knee collide in his knee. It was very similar to what happened to Domas in Phoenix at the end of last year, the last game he played in the fourth quarter. And, uh, so they diagnosed it with a bone bruise today. They said that they're optimistic. It was reported that they're optimistic, but you know, there are caveats to a bone bruise, right, Tony? Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're gonna keep going. No, I don't know. I was just, uh, well, like John said, there. Um, you know, Sabonis injured his knee with the bone bruise at the end of last season, which basically ended his season. You know, I mean, the Kings were gonna probably keep him out regardless. Just uh you know, they weren't gonna go to the plane or anything. But um, the original diagnosis was that they were gonna reevaluate the Sabonis in ten days, and um. You know, Sean Cunningham tweeted the other day that, like, keep an eye out. Like, Fox could miss some time. It could be similar to that Sabonis injury. He could miss, I guess, maybe 10 days, a week and a half, or be reevaluated in that time and hope that he's better. But um, I don't know. We'll see. It would suck to lose Fox this early. I mean, even, you know, any stretch of time without Fox sucks. But, I don't know, especially starting off two and four. I mean, yeah, we won without him on Monday night, but I don't know. It's a little different if the Kings are up for two, I guess. Like, okay, if we miss Fox, at least we started off well. But it just seems like this team's still trying to get in the swing of things. Um, so we'll see what happens. But losing Fox this early on while they're still trying to find their groove, while they're just trying to win games, couple, you know, not a couple, but, you know, there's a winnable game tonight against the Heat, even without Fox. Miami played Golden State last night, so back-to-back games um, against a good team, of course, with Golden State. And then we play Orlando on Monday and Monday, no Saturday, sorry, play Orlando on Saturday, which again, kind of like the Hornets, should be a winnable game, but it may be a lot more winnable if Fox was there. So we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's the worst 
I guess, bone bruise ever. It just seems like it's mild from the reports I've seen so far, but the bone bruise is a bone bruise and it's kind of, I don't know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but the reports I've read, it's, he potentially could miss some time more than just a game. Yeah, I think, well, if you, I think I did a Google search earlier or, um, and looked up the recovery time of a bone bruise. Um, and of course it doesn't match up. I don't know if they were specifying it for professional athletes, but they are saying it's one, sometimes two months. Now, obviously I don't know that he's going to be out that long, but it said something about, um, like early recovery times being more around a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. And I don't know. I mean, I think I, you, it would just be speculation at this point, um, to guess how long he'll be out. But I think the important thing is, is not to rush him back. You don't want a lingering injury. Um, that would be worse. Um, and I think that I'm not like Fox is your best player. You don't want to miss him. He's your top scorer, but it would be far. Like, I, I don't know. I just to make my point here, it would be far more damaging to the team if they lost the bonus. Filling in for Sabonis is much harder given the makeup of this team as opposed to f- replacing Fox. Now, that does not mean that Fox is replaceable or that, you know, we should be happy that Fox is hurt. I'm not saying anything like that, but I think that this team is decently equipped to kind of, you know, fill in. And I think that obviously you're looking at the back end there probably. Because you can get ball handling duties out of Malik Monk, who's been really good at that. Kevin Herter in the two-man game with Domas has been awesome. You obviously have Davion Mitchell. Um, if Terrence Davis is getting his minutes, he can do a little bit of ball handling as well. You can mix it up um, with or without Delavadova on the floor, but it still kind of comes down to that back end with him. How much <laughs> he great for showing against Charlotte. He uh, hit the three that gave him the first lead. Um, he was doing what he does on the bench, which is talking to everybody, leadership, all that stuff. He made a great pass to Keegan Murray, I think, in the fourth quarter. He was great. He was awesome. Um, do you get that every night from Delhi? I mean, I think you get the grit and the leadership every night. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if he has to play for a long period of time, if he can sustain that level of play. Are the three-point balls going to drop? I mean, it's not necessarily as important. They have a lot of three-point shooting that they can surround on the floor. But I guess that's what it comes down to. But I get the, the point is at the end of the day that, you know, you don't want to rush Fox back. You don't really necessarily have to feel pressured to rush Fox back either, I, I think. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You, you definitely don't want to rush Fox back. The last thing you want, like you said, is a lingering injury. <clears throat> but I think something interesting that you said from – what you just said is that you would you went between Fox and Sabonis. You would rather, I guess, Fox get hurt. I mean, you wouldn't rather any of them get hurt. But gun to your head, yeah, someone's got to get hurt. Someone is going to get hurt. <laughs> but it, it, I, if you asked me that question at the beginning of the season, I don't know. I probably would have said like you'd be okay with Sabonis getting hurt with Holmes and Lynn as your backups. But it's man, like. Holmes has played terrible so far. He just looks like he's just lost out there. Um, Lynn, he he kind of looked not too good on Monday against the Hornets. He's I don't know. He's still like a serviceable big man, but I don't know. He just 
they seem a little disappointed to Davion and Matthew Della Vadova. And something that's not too bad about, um, I mean, not too bad about Fox getting injured. I don't like saying that. But is that Davion Mitchell in his, you know, when he, his career starts, he actually plays pretty well. And you kind of saw it on Monday night when Fox went out and he was, I guess, like point guard one, um, if you will. And, he, you know, he, his best game of the season, career high in threes, career high in points. He really stepped up. And it seems like he likes being that guy, it seems. Um, so here, I just pulled up the stats. But I think in, well, I don't think, the stats are right here. So <laughs> Davion has 19 career starts all last year. And he's averaging 18 points and I think 7.4 assists. I mean, if you're getting that out of Davion, if he's starting tonight uh, against Miami, I mean, that's, I mean, it's not Darren Fox, but it's a pretty decent backup for a starter. Um, and Davion started a lot at the end of last season when Fox went down and basically ended his season, but he looked really good and it was encouraging, especially the how, I guess, poorly Davion started the season offensively this year. It was really nice to see him get in his groove, especially hitting threes. That's going to be key into what Davion does. And then Del Vadova, like you said, he just, I don't know, just a gritty guy. He looked like he came in first min, right first minutes of the season last night mm-hmm. or Monday night. I think so. And he just... I don't know. He just he just looks like a veteran out there, and that's why I think they took him over Cook. Um, and he's going to fit that third point guard role a lot better. It's, he's going to be ready to come in. It's going to be rare when he has to, but you know, Fox and Mitchell probably will miss time, as do you know most NBA players during an NBA season. So yeah, he just looked great. It was awesome seeing him hit his, you know, score his first points, hitting that three. And you know, the good thing about that three was is that. There was a moment where he kind of had an opportunity to hit a three, like on the possession or two beforehand. Dished it, obviously, to a better shooter. Uh, I don't know if they hit it or not. Um, But on this time, it was almost the opposite effect, where the better shooter dished it to him, and he was open. And he did not hesitate. He put it up, and he nailed it. It was just crazy. Yeah, no, no, he has a funky-looking shot. I remember his (laughs) shot looking so funky before. But, I mean, he splashed it, and He he nailed that shot, but... I don't know if that's, you know, it, like the backup point guards so far, like, sure. It's a little disappointing going back to Sabonis and his backups. That Holmes has just really been non-existent. I mean, he scored, what, two points on Monday night? Um, very, very hesitant defensively. Yeah. It's kind of slow on, switch, on, on, on rotations. He'll have guys attack the paint, and then he'll just kind of hesitate on whether he should contest the shot or not. I think that happened once or twice last night. Um, he's and offensively, like I think it was it against the Heat where he had. I think it was against the Hornets. Maybe it might happen in both games where he got the ball like low in the post. I think uh, on the one in the Hornets, I think it was a missed alley oop opportunity with him and Monk, and he got the ball into the rim, and he still got it in there. And I think in Miami. Or not in Miami, but against Miami at home on this previous Saturday. He, I think, got the ball under the rim again and, like, slammed it down. It was like an energy moment. Um, yeah. And, you know, he has these he has these, these, these moments where you'd see the old Holmes. But, uh, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's been disappointing to see him 
He had that 15-point game a couple of games ago. Yeah, against but Golden even, State. Yeah, but even in that game, it was like, I didn't think he played particularly well. You know? No. I, I have two theories, and these could be completely wrong. But one, he's he's mad. He's mad that he's a bench player now. He signed, you know, seemed like a friendly contract to stay in Sacramento. He, you know, as pro- he's getting paid starter money. You don't pay that kind of money to a backup. Um, and, you know, he gets a bonus. And, I mean, the end of last season and everything, I think that was a little different because he had stuff going on outside of basketball off the court. But I, I don't know. Maybe he's just upset now. And I, he, he just looks really lost. And that kind of brings me to my second point is that this is his first year in sack without Halliburton. And him and Halliburton had a pretty good two-man game. He's getting a lot of lobs from Halliburton. He just doesn't have that that guard passer that he had in Halliburton. Like Fox is, you know, decent and Mitchell's decent, but Halliburton was really special. And you could definitely see that bond between the two, that that two-man game. And he doesn't have that anymore. And I don't know. He, he kind of does with Monk and Davis a little bit. Okay. But it's it, just like it doesn't work as well. It's yeah. kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had like a little bit of, you see, mo- fly- that's the thing with him is it's like, you see these flashes where it's like, oh, there he is. Um, particularly on offense. You really have not seen him play particularly well on defense, which is really disappointing. Um, Cause he, you think he would be so good as a kind of a more mobile five um, at switching and whatnot, but he just leaves these, he just, he gets, I don't know if he's, fogged up not not as like his, his goggles are getting fogged up and he can't <laughs> see or if he's just not totally in it or whatever the case is it's just like a lot of the times just like man i don't know that's just that's rough but you know he's just been inconsistent and uh mostly bad yeah and oh man it just kind of feels like the whole bench until I mean, Monk has been inconsistent. Mitchell finally stepped up on Monday night. But, I mean, he was on the offensive end. He was terrible until Monday night. Um, I don't know. I feel like going into the season with the potential of Mitchell, Monk, I guess Terrence Davis, um, Trey Lyles, who's been, you know, good since he was put back in the lineup. And Holmes, like, that's a pretty good second unit. Like, that's might be you know, one of our our strong points as a team <laughs> hasn't looked that way. It's been really bad. It's, I mean, Monk, Monk's had some good games, but he's also had a lot of bad ones in between. So, and it's still early. So it feels weird saying it, but he's like, he either has a good game or he just cannot make a shot. He looked like he was going to have a good game against the Hornets. He had seven points. He had all of his seven points in the second quarter. Yeah. I think he hit two threes in that quarter. It's like, okay, there he is. Uh-huh. You know, again, to use that expression again. But, um, yeah, I don't know. But to stick to kind of the center situation there, mm-hmm. Len, so first of all, it was a problem because Len uh, came in, he didn't really look ready. Uh, he didn't look ready at all. And also, um, you see his glaring weakness. I mean, we talk about, like, Holmes has the potential to be able to switch on to other players and at least be somewhat effective where it doesn't become this huge liability where it's just like, get this guy on, you know, always get him to switch on him, you know? Um, 
you know, the, we talk about Domas, kind of like that can be kind of an issue with him sometimes. Um, Len, when it comes to switching, if he's not guarding the paint in a zone or just guarding a five, if he's not battling with Nick, you know, Jokic, um, he, it, it, what is he, you don't want him out there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this team is so bad at rim protection. The leading blocks is coming from Keegan Murray won a game. <laughs> he's the only person on the team with one or more blocks a game. Sabonis is second at 0.8. And, you know, Lyles has had a couple of big moments in these last two games. Maybe that average will click up for him a little bit, but um, you need it's not Lyles is not a rim protector, so it's like even when Lens out there, it's just like for all these other reasons that I'm pointing out, it also takes away his defensive strength, which is the fact that he's like a, a giant. Um, so it's like, like I said, unless you're playing like uh, Jokic or something like that, where you need him to battle with a guy. It's just like his lens almost unplayable. Not unplayable. I don't want to say that because I feel like he he's, he had some moments. I don't remember what game it was, but it's like it's not like he's a huge liability all the time. But it's just like you know, he, he was he played like five or six minutes, I think, against the Hornets, and it just was not good. Yeah, like if you look at the defensive ratings on just the old net ratings on some of the lineups he was in last uh, on uh, against the Hornets, it's just not good. Um, you could see it. it, was, it just he didn't pass the eye test in terms, and that's one of the things too. Is this team, uh, you know, uh, Metu got commended for it after the Golden State game. Lyles has been commended for it basically twice now. Is it's just like Mike Brown likes it when guys stay ready. He said it about Delhi. Is you just have to be ready, and it's just like Holmes is part of the rotation. It just doesn't seem like he's consistently ready. You see it from Len. He didn't seem like he was ready. Um, for as bad, not as bad, I wouldn't say as bad, but it's like, you know, Paula was ready. Even when he goes in for those last two seconds of a quarter or a half, <laughs> just to make sure that they don't get a good shot opportunity, get some length and athleticism out there. You know, it's, it's like, he's ready. He's ready to do that. Like Moneke wasn't particularly good in his, nor should he really have been playing in his minutes against Memphis, but it's like, he's ready to go. You know, there's an, there's an energy to him. Um, and that that's I wouldn't say you could probably say disengaged a little bit more to Rashawn Holmes. I wouldn't really say that to Len. Um, but you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. It's just been really disappointing because you ask anybody, where's the we you ask us. I think we said it. I think uh I heard Brendan Nunez say it. you hear other guys say it all the time. That the positional strength, you know, uh, of this team is definitely the center position. Because you have two arguably great starters at center, um, going one two, and then Len is a admirable number three, and it's just not panned out behind Sabonis. And while Sabonis has played better, the other two have just kind of fallen off. Yeah, uh, I mean they have. I, I don't really have much to add to that. They just they. <laughs> It's just it's just disappointing. I feel like that's a word I've been using a lot for the beginning of the season, especially with the bench. It's just it's just been disappointing. Um especially Holmes. I, I thought uh, I really wanted him to come out and have a good year. He's just such a likable guy and he gave us his all in his first two years in SAC and um, you know, I kinda felt bad for what he had to go through at the end of last year. 
And so I was glad he could come back. Kind of not really a clean slate, but, you know, he's back from what he had to deal with off the court. New, you know, he had a new role on this team. And uh, I just was hoping he could play with that same energy that he did as a starter. And he just he just hasn't. He uh, I hope he can get out of that funk and that he can start being productive. But I mean, until then, it's just it's just disappointing and uh, frustrating. I don't know. I just it hasn't been good. I don't have a lot more to say on that topic than that. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just a disappointment. But um, you know, like moving along here, kind of getting into some other topics here. Uh, buy or sell? All right. The the resilience of this team. Do you buy or sell it? I'll buy it. Um, I don't know, Monday night's game. That I mean, honestly, that's a game the Kings lose in the last four years. That's a game the Kings lose. You lose Fox. You're down 15 at the half. And to like again, a team where recently you've been terrible against against Charlotte, um, and in an arena you haven't won in in five years. That's a game you lose. You know, period. And it was awesome. You know, like we said, you're not only did you not only were you down Fox, you're down 15 at the half. Had a huge third quarter. So, you know, Davion stepped up, Delhi stepped up, other guys stepped up, you know, put the team on their back with Fox down, you know, get that scoring load. And, um, you know, that gave me hope. It gave me hope. Um, I, like I said, I did not want to start off one and five and, you got to beat a team like the Hornets. So that's that's really the only reason I say yes. And it, it's still early in the season. It'd be hard to say no, <laughs> that this team isn't resi- wouldn't be resilient. But, you know, I feel like I can truthfully say, like, I can see this team coming back. They, I, I think they still have all the talent in the world. Um, and hopefully, like we were talking about Holmes a second ago, he can, you know, get back in his groove and others can too. And, and take that next step. Yeah. I think uh, kind of a uh, another compliment you could give from an example of a game of their resiliency, even though as many people have pointed out, they had no business being in that game because they gave up how many points in the first half to Golden State, but they almost came back and won that game. It was just kind of like, <laughs> oh, man. And maybe that was more about like, okay, this team can score, and Golden State really has a lot of defensive issues this year. Um, maybe that's more the primary issue there, but it's like, they never gave up, you know? And also to take it back to what we said earlier, aside from what we've seen from Holmes and, you know, in a much limited, much, you know, less vast amount of time for Len, uh, you know, all these guys have been ready. Like you said, Davion, Della Badova, um, all these other Lyles, guys, you know, Lyles good. At, he got a did not play. Against Memphis, and he's played great the last two he's, games. Not, yeah, he's. He, and I could talk about Trey Lyles forever because in these last couple of games, and you you heard it, they were saying it over and over again, and I and I don't think that they, for all the things that our lovely commentating crew in Sacramento repeat often, this was a very pleasant thing that they were repeating was the fact that. Mike Brown in a film sessions was taking a lot of moments in defensive end to point out little things that Trey Lyles was doing on the defensive end. 
And if you go through and if you just take a cursory glance at some of the moments from him, you just click on the videos of his blocks that he's provided. He's had three blocks in the last two games that were <laughs> the best bit of rim protection this team has had, really. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Murray, I think, has won a game. Uh, but so I think that's just coming from how long he is as a defender. I think yeah. some of those come on the perimeter and from mid-range shots and stuff. But um, the thing with uh, – who was I just talking about? Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles, yeah. <laughs> is he's just – he's also like we're talking about how the rotational issues on defense uh, have become a big issue for this team. And Trey Lyles goes in there, and on one of his blocks against the Hornets, I think it was the last one of the game. It was like a minute left. He bodied up his man. It might have been Washington, who was having a great game. Uh, he he bodied him up, stayed in front of him, chest out, arms up, stayed with him, stopped him, got him to put up a bad shot, and blocked it. It wasn't even about the block. It was about the defense. And uh, I think uh, the other block he had against the Hornets, it was that rotational thing that I was just mentioning. He, he made the rotation. It helped Domas in the paint when, the, when an offensive player got behind him. And... Uh, closed in and got him from behind it was it was great and uh i don't know he just looks so sharp and ready to go and he you know he just i think in the first game of the season because he didn't really, i think he played like four minutes against the warriors or something like that and then he he hadn't played against the clippers and then i don't think he played against memphis um and you know in his limited time he didn't look great but there was a lot of issues this team was kind of figuring some things out I think he put up like seven threes in the first game and he only hit two of them. And it's like, you probably don't want Trey Lyle shooting the three ball seven times. Mm-hmm. And, and only like, I don't know, he didn't play that many minutes. Um, so it wasn't like he was earning his time. But it's like, you know, we saw Trey Lyles fill in the exact, not all the cracks. Obviously, a, a guy like him can't fill in all the cracks that are kind of uh, deficits to the team's ability to win games. Uh, but he, really finds the way to fill in as many as he can without affecting or creating any more cracks. And he is just so excellent at that. And on the defensive end, it's been a big difference from last year. He he made that difference really offensively, even defensively with a smart kind of uh, defensive approach. But at the end of the day, the guy lost 20 pounds. Yeah. It's just like, that makes a huge difference. He wants it. He's going to be an un- unrestricted, yeah, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He's another guy with a contract uh, year, and he's ready to prove something. You know, uh, he's twenty six, going on twenty seven, and he he's, he he wants it. And also, he had to have known like Mike Brown's coaching this team, defense, uh, pace, all that stuff has got to be a big part of it. Um, so, in terms of the resilience of this team. From off-season resilience to to think ahead, uh, uh, both about yourself and about your team, to get in shape, to stay ready, even when you got a couple of did not plays that you definitely didn't deserve. Probably, he stayed with it, and I, I, I think it comes from Mike Brown a lot, but it also comes from Trey Lyles. Um, but Mike Brown has always just—I think he said it in preseason ahead of one of the games. He said, "Yeah, I kind of want to like see." Some guys not play because I want to see how they respond to not playing. So I think in kind of like maybe giving a long leash to some of his Nigerian national team guys, and that trust is obviously strong because he stuck with it for like four games there. Yeah. 
Um, he went all out against Memphis. He let it fly. He's like, I, you're not playing the Kings. You're playing Team Nigeria. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, yeah, maybe that was just kind of part of it. He's like, yeah, Lyles will probably get his minutes. You know, like, yeah. let's just see how he responds. Because um, he just kind of became the odd man out if you're giving them a chance. But the resilience of this team has been so well emulated by Lyles. Yeah. Um, he's been awesome. That guy I fell in love with last year after the Kings traded for him. He just, I mean, I guess he just seems always ready, like you said. I and mean, he just does everything, you know, right. And so, you know, last week I said Trey Lyles looks like my friend. I looked up Trey Lyles' age today and it says his birthday is November 5th. This friend's birthday is, oh my fucking God. Is it the same <laughs> November birthday? 5th. It's Ian's birthday. The same guy? Yeah. That's weird. Okay, that is <laughs> That's wild. That's I just figured that out just now. Um, okay. Well, that probably means nothing to you folks at home, but uh yeah, okay. Yeah, Trey Lyles is the best. I think he's my friend. I think that's my friend. Yeah, I think it's his alter ego yeah. on the weekends. It's very strange. What's up, John? She's six eight. <laughs> Your friends now that I think about it, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, yeah, resiliency. I, I think this team has it for all the points we just said. But uh, I want to hear your next um, what? Sell it, buy or sell? Yeah, buy or sell. That uh, Domas is getting dicked on these foul calls. <sighs> God, it honestly seems like it. I, I mean, for him to foul out two straight games, I don't know. I know he's not the best defender or anything, but I don't know. It just seems like they're giving him some ticky tack fouls, and uh, it's just it's just frustrating to see. I mean, like you can kind of see why some of them are fouls, but I I don't know. I just I don't. Uh, they're just so soft to me. I feel like I don't know. It just seems like maybe I'm just a Kings fan and I'm biased, but I don't know. I, just, I feel like we're not getting some of those calls that they're calling against the bonus. So why is why is he getting them? I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think he's getting boned. I think I think he's getting sub boned. <laughs> um, I, I think I think that there are a lot of calls that have been just downright bad. I yeah. think the sixth foul against Miami was just ridiculous. But I also think that with kind of like Domas is your best paint defender right now. <laughs> he puts himself in a good position. He's not a rim protector, uh, and he's not particularly athletic. Um, but he puts himself in decent enough position. His defensive rating's not terrible. Um, I think it's 110.7 ahead of this Miami game. Um, you know, he he just gets he's just out there all the time. And teams know, I mean, like I'm sure it says it in the scouting report on him, something about susceptible to fouls. That kind of was a more of a problem, obviously, under Billy Donovan in OKC, but you know, it's there. And there's also the fact that, well, who else is defending the paint? And, well, now game after game, teams are figuring that out. They're like, oh, Domas fouled out. It's like that is definitely a point of emphasis for these opponents because they know how big he is and for this for this Kings team, that is. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of a few bad calls. Like, for instance, the two calls, um, you know, by contrast, the two calls that the, I think the last two, I think it was the moving screen, and then I think – the other one was a block because his foot was on the line. Like it was a moving screen. Mm-hmm. It was, his foot was on the line. It's like, okay, those are fair calls. Now, that that still obviously is huge impact. 
players get breaks all the time. They miss calls all the time. It does feel like Domas doesn't really get uh, favorable calls to go his way. It's not like he gets breaks, I wouldn't say. I feel like that's a fair uh, condemnation of the refs for sure. And then there's a few calls that are just absolutely ridiculous. But at the end of the day, I think it's a combination of bad officiating to kind of uh, Domas's own traits to the susceptibility Domas has without really much help. Um, and, you know, also the fact that teams are going to target it. So I think it's kind of like, was that five prong thing? It's kind of complex, but it I is. think it's fair to kind of be pissed at the refs. And honestly, overall, it's not just Domas. The Kings are not going to get calls. I mean, the Kings haven't been in the playoffs in 16 yeah. years. You hear former players talk about it all the time that you don't win games. You don't get respect from the refs. That's stupid, but it's like, well, but what about a two-time All-Star? Uh, and that's what I'm saying. And he doesn't get the favorable calls. No, I, I think that's a fair fair thing. So, like, I don't know if I necessarily buy it all the way. I wait for this to, to get a discount, and then I buy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it keeps going. It's still early on. I just see him, I don't know, just a couple drives I see. And it seems like he has his hands up and, you know, he maybe has his chest out a little and a little bumping, but it's basketball. It's going to be physical, especially getting into the paint. And it just feels like they're bailing him out and hurting our chances. And it's like, I don't know. Is that really a foul? Like, yeah, maybe it is by the ascent, like the book definition, but it just, I don't know. It's definitely a, makes a huge difference that he never gets the benefit of the doubt. It, it doesn't. And, and then you go on the other end and we don't get a call like that. And it just feels, yeah, it's just frustrating. That's, that's totally, I totally get that. <clears throat> I totally get that. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's also early still, and you know maybe stuff will change. But at this moment, I just I think he's he's not getting fair calls to all the way, and that's why he's fouling out. Like, of course, he's gonna he made. It's not like he's like he's just the best defender, and he doesn't foul. Like, of course he fouls, but mm-hmm. I don't think he should be fouling out of these games. I don't think he should be getting being in such high you know high or foul trouble so early on. Yeah, because. I think he's just getting a couple bad calls. Like two bad calls, boom. Could be at four fouls instead of two. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um I also just on an optimistic you know, level, you have to understand too that like, damn, like Mike Brown really gets into his guys on the tape and in the film room when it comes to that stuff. And they'll work on it. I'm sure a week or two from now, like he dropped one or two fouls, just the ones that he is like maybe really committing. Uh make better use of his hands. Um, Katie Christensen was a big when she played. So she, she was talking about it pretty, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, in depth, uh, about there are some of these calls where maybe he's not in the best position or he's not using his hands, putting his hands in the right position or to keep keeping them too low or whatever the deal is. And so it's like, though it's very correctable. So it's yeah. like, give it a few games. You might start to see him, uh, adjust that. So eh, it can definitely get better. Not necessarily saying that because you know, I don't know how they're going to fix the fact that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. That's totally fair. Mm-hmm. It's that, that's ridiculous. And it hurts them. That's no doubt. Cutting off fouls one way or the other will be helpful. Whether, you know, it's the ticky tack ones or, you know, just cutting off the ones you said where he is actually fouling. And if he can, you know, work on those, then the ticky tack ones won't feel so bad. So yeah. we'll see how the season goes. But I feel that. What do you got next? Buy or sell that Terrence Davis is part of the nightly rotation. <laughs> nightly rotation? Because, well, just to, to no, preface that. I, no, because, I, no, I get what you're saying. 
because we were, he was kind of part of it. We said he was the fifth best player on this team yeah. last week, which he was playing like it. And like we said, at the end of the day, what that says is the Kings have a lot of problems. They're not getting consistent play out of some of the guys that you want to see be the fifth best player. But that's kind of changed now. Yeah, it has changed. I mean, Davis, how much did he play against the Heat? Little? He played like five minutes against the Heat, and I think it was the same thing against the Hornets. Yeah, it was, I don't know. And he, he didn't have a good game against Memphis. Um, but he was playing well up until that point. Monk was kind of still struggling. He kind of come, you know, he's still inconsistent, but he's had a couple of good games where it's like, okay, this is more like the Malik Monk we thought we were going to have. And, of course, Herter's just, he's been, I mean, I think Sabonis might be that second best player again. But Herter, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Herter's been really good. He's it's been tough. really good. Yeah, he's he's been insane. Yeah, and so of course that leaves less room for Davis. Um, even like the backup three, you know, he's not really getting those minutes at the moment. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. He kind of just fell out of favor. Like, can I so, tell you? Can I tell you my theory about this? Yeah. The first was it three or four games? Because Memphis <coughs> was the fourth game, right? Yeah, so the first three games, he played really well. We said he was the fifth best player, and he was playing like it. It's because the second unit was kind of disappointing in that first game, those first couple of games. Things were very stagnant, and so, you know, Terrence Davis, the aggressive guy that he is, uh, he gets the ball and he goes, and he was playing well. He was knocking down his threes for the most part, um, which he hasn't – I think he maybe took two or three total in the last couple of games, and his or – plus the Memphis, whatever he did in the Memphis game. But, yeah, he hasn't been knocking it down. His three-point percentage has dropped. But, um, you know, I think he shouldn't. Yeah, he's 31.3% from three ahead of this uh, game in Miami. And, uh, you know, he really was – it was favorable for him to be able to take over. And he was pretty good at it. And you could still, like, talking about guys that are always going to be ready – He's going to be ready to go try and get it. I don't know if like shots are always going to fall for him. Um, and, you know, but it just kind of seems like, you know, when Mike Brown talks about the rotation, he's like eight, nine guys nightly, plus like an extra guy that's in there every now and then. Like Davis is that extra guy that's in there every now and then. hundred like. percent. He's like, he's the best third stringer oh, yeah. on the Kings. Yeah. He definitely shown up like, like, man. The shooting guards that they have, it's incredible. Yeah, the shooting guard. I mean, you'd even be happy with Davis being your backup, I think, um, shooting guard. But like you said, I mean, Brown is really tightening up that rotation to that eight or nine people. And, and you know, that's where Davis kind of gets cut. His minutes get cut. Um, and he's still going to play throughout the season. He's good enough. He's going to have those minutes there. But they're going to be spotty. They're going to be minimal. He's going to have a couple, you know, maybe you'll have a chance if, you know, someone gets injured, but I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to be in the nightly rotation going forward just because, after, I don't know, just because Mike Brown said they were tightening up the rotation and boom, Terrence yeah. Davis is gone. So, um, probably in that alternating role. Yeah, is exactly. He'll be here and there, but nightly, you're not going to see consistent minutes out of him. So, not nightly. So, yeah. But um, just before we move on to the next one, I just wanted to take a moment because we don't really have a topic for Herder today other than the fact that he's really, really good. Um, so I want to take a moment to appreciate Kevin Herder. 
Should we just give like 10 seconds of silence for her who's greatness? I think we should give a round of applause. Okay, let's go. <laughs> just like Kevin Hurt, Red like Velvet, it. The Big Hurt. It's really, he just shows up. He comes with a, I'm not really, I, I wasn't, you can't really be impressed with a lot of these guys' costumes except for his. <laughs> Who is he? He showed up in a like inflated thing where he's like in the body of the alien, but the alien's head is <laughs> yeah. behind him. And it looks yeah. like he's like getting carried. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just like the funniest thing. And, you know, he is just shooting like. He's shooting 53%. Yeah. Like on From three, 50% from the field, 18 points a game, four assists. Yeah. I wasn't expecting four assists from Herder. Oh, him in the two man game with Domas. It's just like he gets like two or three assists just from like. You know, whether it's Domas getting a dunk or Domas pulling up. He had a couple of mid-rangers in these last couple of games. And it's like him and Herter have just been so – just to get Fox off the ball a little bit and and just to attack different defenders and give them different looks. It's just like Herter has just been – him and Domas just look so good uh. together. And it's just – it's it's incredible. And he's played really well on the defensive end. I think he's got – you know, I was talking about Lyle's – Having a good defensive rating. I don't know actually if I mentioned that, but Lyles has been having a good defensive rating in his four appearances this year. But Herter has a respectable one, and he's been playing a lot of minutes. He's got a 109.7. I think like usually he's well over 114, mm-hmm. um, like 115, 116. Um, so he is – and we pointed this out at the beginning of the season that it's like, yeah, he's a two-way talent. He's really developed on the second on the defensive end. But he still needs some work there. I mean, like sometimes you watch his tape in uh, Atlanta. There's times where he gets kind of caught flat-footed and tries to just use his hand to get defense, to defend, to get defense, to defend the uh, uh, penetrator. And sometimes that results in a foul. Sometimes that just results in a free lane to the basket. And it's just like sometimes he's not always engaged. You saw his engagement go up defensively in the playoffs where his defensive rating and performance is far better. Um, and so like the question was, can he take that next step defensively? And so far through six games very early, um, he's just doing it on both ends. He feels like one of the best players on this team. And we were saying it last week when I mean, he is that mix of the top four players is tight in a way. I mean, like Fox kind of seems like number one right now. But, yeah, easily. But uh, the other three, it's just like, and then Domas, I still feel like he's so important to he, what he, they do. Yeah, I you mean, take him away, it's such a big issue. But it's just like the way Herder's knocking down threes right now. It's like the same thing. Yeah, he's been super good both ends of the floor, and like you said, just filling up the stat sheet. I mean, obviously he's not going to shoot over 50 percent all year, but it's like. Will he shoot over 40? It's like there's a decent chance. <laughs> um, then, well, at least the way he's showing up right now. Man, uh, this Kevin Herter is a shooter the Kings have needed in Sacramento for the longest time. I feel like we always get like, I don't, we just don't have like a, we, I just feel like Sacramento has not had a legit knockdown shooter. Like it's in Herter's hands. Like I try, like he takes a shot. Like I have a good feeling that shot's going to go in. And uh, so does he. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, it builds on that confidence. So, for me, that he's confident, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it's just refreshing. It just feels nice that just have shooters, you know, just, not just Herter, just everywhere on the floor now with Keegan Murray. You know, he didn't have the best game against Memphis, um, but he's still a good three-point shooter. All right, sorry, not against Memphis. Against the, um, against the Hornets. Yeah. Even though he had the best plus-minus against them. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's a good shooter. 
Monk, a little inconsistent, but I still trust him shooting the three ball. Barnes, ugh, I mean, he's usually, you know, more consistent. We'll get <laughs> we'll get to him in a second. But um, it just feels nice that they actually have good shooting wings and Herter is 100% leading that charge. And it just feels nice to have like a legit knockdown three point shooter. That's what, that's what you needed next to Fox Teal. Yeah. Uh, he, he's what we all wish Buddy Heald would have been. Yeah. Honestly, like, yeah. Smart guy, can play defense, can shoot the ball well. Buddy, the IQ just never rose or his ego got in the way. Yeah. Buddy could never play the two man game because it'd be a, become a one man game very quickly. Yeah. And he's a <laughs> terrible dribbler, too. So. Yeah. That, that becomes an issue when you're dribbling it off your shoe top. But, you know, I mean, yeah, he's just been terrific. But you mentioned a good thing there about Keegan Murray because um, we saw Keegan Murray at least shooting wise, look very humid, uh, human, not humid. Um, uh, and I guess the question is buy or sell that Keegan Murray is still valuable enough to be like closing lineup type of guy, even when he's not hitting his shots as was the case against the Hornets. And you mentioned the plus minus. Yeah. A hundred percent. He's a good defender. I mean, he's always trying. He, he's enough of a threat on three, even if his shot isn't falling. I, he's, I, he just looks so good already. He's just someone to already trust to make the right decision. I don't know, like, which is big to me. I guess as a Kings fan, I'm just not used to having like guys I trust on the floor at all moments. So like getting that Trey Lyles and getting that Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray where it's like, okay, like these guys are usually going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It feels nice. And I definitely feel that in Murray. And he's definitely earned that good defender. Going to make the right decision, you know, enough of a threat, even if his three isn't falling. It's like, if he's like, you know, 0 for 8, like, I, I still trust him to make that shot at the end of the game. So, um, he, he's definitely a closing lineup guy. And he's also your best power forward by far. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think, I don't know, um, sometimes you'll see him guard the wing. Mm-hmm. Barnes guard the four, which I think is better. Yeah, it is because it is Barnes is just like we'll get into him in just a second. But <laughs> oh, we're like, gonna lay into him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's just Murray is just so versatile defensively. Yeah, that's a, exactly. He's just got such good hands too, and all around a disciplined a disciplined player. Um, he's just he's just made for that. Uh, both ends of the floor and obviously like he just he it, like you mentioned it's like even if he's not hitting it he's they, they everybody's talking about how on the scouting reports i think i heard the miami announcers talking about it they were saying like yeah this kid's scouting report you know it's uh he did don't leave him open on the perimeter and which if it says that it says it means that for the whole game you don't like Chemezi Metu, whatever. Yeah. Keegan Murray, you do not give that guy space. Cause even if he's not shooting well, don't let him get hot. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. And he's already at that level. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the guy's played five games. It's ridiculous. And um, I don't know. He's just it's impressive. Cause it's like one of those things where, you know, they're they're pointing it out every two seconds, like Murray's not having a great uh shooting game here in Charlotte. Okay, all right. It's just like the whole game, you just see him just – he's not doing anything to really hurt you. Yeah, he, you know? he's not. I feel like the only time I've seen him do stuff to hurt 
the team was like one time in the third quarter against Miami, I think. Um, he had like a really bad turnover, but like I did, maybe he's had a couple other turnovers this year, but it's just like the guy is sharp and I don't know. It's just, it's nice. Cause it's like you, okay. The guy's facing adversity. Does he force up shots? What is he going to do? And I mean, like we kind of already knew with Murray because <laughs> I remember there's a particular, it might've been the second summer league game. It was the second or third summer league game after he was tearing it up in the previous games. Uh, hitting like all his threes, basically. Um, he didn't have a great shooting game. And he was having a really bad first half. And he kind of just, he did a very, he started facilitating, staying out of the way, just using himself to stretch the floor, not trying to do too much, uh, letting other guys kind of score. And uh, he just, he's doing that in summer league. And, you know, like it's a moment where it's like, oh, you know, after his first game in summer league, it's like everybody's talking about him. You know, look at whatever he dropped in that game. And um, it's just like one of those things where it's like he doesn't get too high and uh, on himself. And it would be so easy to because he's so good. And uh, just to be able to face that adversity, to do it in an NBA game, to not feel like he has to do too much and affect the game in other ways. That's just like that's. Guy should have been number one overall pick. I mean, maybe not. Bancaro. Bancaro said. Bancaro's very good. But <laughs> I'm excited to see that matchup on Saturday. Saturday yeah. Bancaro Murray. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Bancaro looks really good, but that was fun in Vegas when they yeah, played. Yeah. Oh man, if we can get a <laughs> repeat Call of K-Tub. that game. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's gonna be a starting center today. The bonus backing up, but I'm looking forward to that. Murray's awesome. Definitely your closing lineup. He's still a top four player on your team. I think it's yeah. Fox, Sabonis, Herter, Murray. Yeah. In that order. Well, maybe. It's I, debatable. I, it's debatable. We didn't get back into this topic because I could not decide. Yeah, if, I can't either. Honestly. But it doesn't matter. They're all really good, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So Murray, to get that from a rookie, though, that's probably the most impressive thing. But you know what's upsetting about that? And I'm going to transition. Beautiful. Is that there's... Those are four starters, but the fifth best player on this team, I, I can't say it's that fifth starter. Yeah. So buy or sell, can Barnes get in a rhythm anytime soon? Oh my goodness, Harrison Barnes! I've talked so much hype about this guy going to the season. He doesn't have to be the second scorer anymore. He's gonna have a great year. Oh, eleven <laughs> percent from three. I uh, he he's had a couple of decent games um, recently. Recently. Um, but, uh, God, <laughs> it's just, it's kind of disappointing, disheartening. He looks slower, his defense, you know, you always kind of thought Barnes is a solid defender, kind of looks like he's lost a step or something. <sighs> Man, I, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, it's like such a bad answer. Um, but geez, he needs, he needs to get into it. I mean, he's, he's such an in- integral part of this team that, and it's, it's he's going to be even if he puts up small numbers and stuff like that, which I thought he would do. And you know he's still like rebounding well. And I but his defense is bad. You really need to rely on his defense this year. It just hasn't looked that great. Um, jeez, I don't know. I he needs to. He he needs that three point shot to fall. He needs to be the ultimate three and D guy. And yeah. he he isn't at the moment. And I don't know. 
almost I don't want to say age. He's only thirty, but it looks like he entered the you know ended last season at twenty nine and came in at thirty seven. He just he just looks so much slower and different and. Uh, I, I think yeah, he has it in him. He's a he's a pros pro, I and mean, it's Harrison Barnes. If anyone's going to do it, you could say it's Barnes. He's he's that guy. Like he's not talent wise, but you know he's going to work his his butt off to get back into it. That's just who he is as a player. Um, so I I think he can, but I don't know if he will. And I, I mean, is there a point where it's like you know he's in a contract year and the Kings are not like I think. They're not all in, obviously, not like a championship team, but they, they want to make that plan at least like at this early stage. And like, is there a point where it's like, OK, well, maybe we don't want this guy next year. His stock is falling. The, if he continues to play bad, you just try to ship him off or something. Like, when does that come? Like what if like I think you said it before this, if, it, if it's 10, 11 games into the season, he's playing like the way he is right now, like. Do you look at, you know, some trade scenarios to try to get him somewhere before his value drops even lower? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think I, um, you know, being so prone to be skeptical, I think I kind of believe Mike Brown when he said that, like, this is a different distribution of minutes that Harrison Barnes has been used to. And look at the last couple of games. He usually comes out four or five minutes into the game and comes back in later in the first quarter and kind of these interesting kind of substitutions. Maybe that takes adjustments. I'm not going to say that it doesn't, but I do think that there does come a limit where you are going to have to ask those questions. But he's looked slightly better. He has his moments still where defensively guys will just get by him. Um, he looks a little more in tune to the rotational stuff on defense, but still there's moments where He's making a mistake, and Mike Brown has to call a timeout. That might have happened against Miami or Charlotte. I can't really remember off the top of my head. But it does happen a lot this season. And, um, you know, offensively, the three-pointers, like those have got it. You're not going to shoot 11 or something. <laughs> those are going to start falling at some point. Um, got to maybe get him to his spots better. I haven't really looked at his shot chart this year. I don't know where he's putting up his biggest volume of threes. If it's him, that would have been a good thing to do. But – uh, looking up to see if you know he's missing the spots where he's usually nailing it. Um, but those are you have to expect that those are going to start to fall. Um, you see him in these moments too, where he does like his drives to the rim, his deceleration, <laughs> and like sometimes it works, but like other times it just kind of he's dribbling, he just dribbles into nowhere or passes into nowhere or gets blocked or something, and um. I, I almost look at that and I'm just like, that's got to be a sign of just, he's got to get with the flow and get a little more cohesive with this team. So I almost give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit, but defensively, that is an issue. I mean, he's never really been, you never wanted him out on an island with any talented wing player. No. He can kind of bang with some fours, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I remember when he was in Golden State and they were doing the small, first introducing the small lineup, everybody was talking mad crap about, putting Harrison Barnes at the four. Like he can't guard Kenneth Fareed. He can't guard this or that. And it's like, he was, he was, he was, he was a wall in there. And yeah. he's not, he was much smaller as a first or second year player. And, you know, there's ways to get this to work. And I do think that there can be an adjustment period. However, there will come a point. 13, 14, 15 games into the year, like, uh, what was that? Thanksgiving time. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe into December. And, then you have to kind of look at something. 
And I don't know who, maybe, maybe it's, I don't know who one person off the top of your head would probably be Jay Crowder, right? Yeah. Just because he's another small forward who this, he's a good player and he wants out of Phoenix. I don't think he's played this year. Um, Cause he doesn't want to play until he's out uh, off the sun. So, I mean, Barnes, you know, he's, you know, he's a, he can be, I guess, promising for a team like the Suns, even if he's playing bad, because he has such a good history that, you know, if he was to turn it around anywhere, it'd be on a team with championship caliber potential. And, you know, getting Jake Crowder, a good defender. Jake Crowder has been very consistent his whole career, kind of just like a 3 and D guy that you're hoping Barnes could be this year. Um, I guess just taking a chance on him if Barnes isn't working. Only issue is that with the Barnes Crowder trade, it, it wouldn't work salary wise, just like straight up. I think you have to knock off another 5.5 mil from the Suns cap. So that's where it gets tricky. Um, if they add in a guy, are they going to want more back and stuff like that? I've kind of fiddled with the trade machine, but there's nothing I've seen where it's like, oh, it's like, this is a good deal. Like, there might be, you know. Sons like, yeah, it's not a good deal for us. Or, you know, maybe they add in one of their guys and we add in like Trey Lyles. It's like, oh man, like, do we want to lose Lyles at this point? Like when, when's the, you know, so I don't know. It makes sense in that, you know, scenario, but I, I hope that it doesn't come to that point. I hope Barnes can turn it around. I really like Barnes and I think he can have a good year. It's so early. Like you said, 11% dude's a career 37% three point shooter. Those shots will start turning around, but at the end of the day, it's that defense um, and just getting in tune with everything. I like I said, if it's anyone that can do it, it can be Barnes. And I guess I'll change my answer. He will turn it around, and he's gonna have a good year. <laughs> yeah, um, he'll get back on track. Yeah, with I mean with Crowder, it's like one of those things where it's like you probably upgraded defensively, um, but it's like at the end of the day, he's older than Barnes. The, the, you, you're thinking about a situation where you got involved with third team. What are you giving up? All that stuff. What, yeah. are, the, what are the, you know, uh, it becomes tricky. But, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it, it, I guess if it gets to that point, maybe you think about it. But that I feel like you're really expecting, like, Barnes to just have – he will have fallen off the wagon at that point. And now you're talking about a situation where, well, now Phoenix won't want him. So it's like – I don't know. It gets tricky. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Even if Barnes starts playing moderately better and they think they can get an upgrade on the other end. But, you know, Crowder's 32 as opposed to Barnes being 30. Um, I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting. But uh, it's kind of hard to foretell at this point. But, eh, you know, Barnes can probably figure it out. I, I think uh, – I hope. I think he can. But it just, again – like the word I've been throwing around a lot, just disappointing. I didn't expect Barnes to have a start to the year like this. Maybe, maybe closer to the All Star break, but uh, I just, I don't know. It's just un- very unlike Barnes this early on. But like he's, you know, he's just a pro. He comes into the season ready. So new coach, not like it's his first new coach in sack, but I don't know. Maybe just a little different. He's a little. He hit thirty, you know. New new decade for him. Looked at himself in the mirror on his thirtieth birthday and said, yeah. "I don't even know who I am anymore." Yeah, 
like what what happened that time in Golden State in Sacramento for four and a half years now. Jeez, was was becoming my life. I haven't <laughs> sniffed the playoffs. He's a liar. He said he wouldn't shave his beard. I'm a little petty about this. He said he wouldn't shave his beard until the Kings make the playoffs. And he shaved it after the season. Like, no, you grow that thing until they make the playoffs. I don't care if it's five years. Don't make that promise. Yeah. If you're going to shave it and you're just going to, you know, just bail out. I don't know. Couldn't you see him like braiding it? He looked like a wizard. Dude. Like braided or something. He could like rub it on the sideline when he's like, I would love that. Drawing up plays on the clipboard. He he should do it. He's a liar. (laughs) Sorry. He lost all credibility. I changed my answer. He won't turn it around. You know, I bet if he played in Washington, he'd really go with that wizard look. Dude, you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. Harrison Barnes, man. We're going to start calling you Harry. Yeah. What's up, Harry Barnes? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. But uh, next next one I got for you is uh, buy or sell. uh, And I have a feeling this one will be quick. Does Bill Simmons know what he's talking about? No. <laughs> yeah, Bill Simmons sucks. He hates Sacramento. I, he just does. Like if you look up his tweets in the past or his takes on his podcast, it's just like I mean, it's easy. We're an easy target, which is annoying. It's like, oh wow, that's shit on the Kings. Like, yeah, that's original. Also, he's a national media, not even really. A, he's not a journalist. He's just a personality. He's entertainment, like most mainstream tv things are and he's just on there talking and it you could see how half-baked his idea was oh well davion mitchell played well and darren fox is not good enough to be an all-star obviously he's never watched any game explain it explain for those that's essentially what he said he was saying that uh that because a nice summer he was saying that because everybody knows that uh the Lakers are trying to get rid of russell westbrook and they've been very hesitant about getting rid of two future first round picks and Bill Simmons is basically, if I'm not mistaken, positing the idea that with Davion Mitchell playing well in Sacramento and with De'Aaron Fox um, never having been an all-star, which he firmly believes means he's never going to be an all-star, essentially is what I grabbed from that, Yeah, that maybe the Kings would be willing to, you know, get the, do the trade to basically dip off Fox to get two first round picks in Russell Westbrook either ends up with them or someone else because there could be a third team involved there. I think a lot of people have talked about a third team being involved in any kind of Russell Westbrook thing. But that's the gist of it. Very, like I said, it's just like it's – whether it's him, whether it's Colin Cowherd, whether it's Rich Eisen, whether it's – I could go on and on. Uh, you know, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. <laughs> Smith. These guys really like, like – Maybe sometimes when it's the highest echelon, like Stephen A. Smith can give you some valuable analysis about the two finals teams, but he's not going to give you good analysis about most of the teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? He can tell you what's happened in the finals so far, but he's not really going to be able to tell you, well, this this reminds me of when this team was struggling back in you know March or something like that. It's like he's not going to be doing that. They're not providing really the best analysis. They're just trying to get attention. And they want probably, like you said, it's an easy target and – Kings fans will get revved up and you're getting clicks and fans are ruthless about other teams and they always will look to kick on other teams. Although I do think that the Kings do get a lot of Kings fans get a lot of sympathy (laughs) in the NBA world. They're called people will refer to them as loyal, almost (laughs) to a fault, but um, that's kind of a good thing, I guess if you're a dog, but no, I just, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where 
I guess with Bill Simmons and with any of these guys, they'd never know what they're talking about. More often than not, they have no idea. And when it comes to Darren Fox, they just, they, 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 don't, they don't know anything. <laughs> no, I mean, it's this dumb trade proposal um, to trade Fox at this point. <laughs> like, I mean, if, if it's Davion and if, if Davion in this situation was Halliburton, it's a little different discussion. But I mean, Davion is a good starter. Like we said, he started well, but eh, you don't have that confidence in Davion that you had in Halliburton or that you have in Fox currently. So it's dumb. He's an idiot. I'm sick of talking about it. That's silly. Um, it's kind of all for buy or sell, but I did have an extra bonus topic. Yeah. Because um, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Holmes and Len not really living up to expectations. But with that, and of course, like this is obviously hindered by the fact that the Kings could not trade Holmes. And they seemed kind of optimistic that things could work, at least from Matt George's report uh, at the beginning of free agency. Um, but with the fact that they're not playing well, and it's just six games in. And so, like, you know, this is just kind of. It's just kind of like kicking the idea around. But, uh, man, imagine if this team had been able to retain Damian Jones. Uh, For all the issues that you have, especially <clears throat> defensively, um, Damian Jones would have been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of our crush at the end of the last season. We really liked Damian Jones. He, just, he was kind of a nice surprise. I remember when we got him at the, you know, kind of the end of the 2021 season. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But he, you know, he's very surprising. He seemed like to, he developed like a mid-range game. Was good on the inside. Seemed like a smart player. Wasn't going to force anything. Like we said, we really like those guys. You know their roles really well and aren't going to go out of bounds of them. And he was he was that guy, especially at the end of last season. He played fantastic when Sabonis went down. Really got a nice share of minutes towards the end with Holmes out as well. And so, um. I mean, it'd be weird because, of course, you want... I like Damian Jones a lot, and it's kind of sad when we couldn't keep him. But I don't know. I, I still don't know how much playing time he would get behind Sabonis and Holmes, regardless of how bad Holmes is playing. Because it's like a lot of potential rests on Holmes' ability to be good off the bench. And you kind of you kind of still need to work on that, regardless of how bad he's been. But I think he'd be better than Alex Lynn. Yeah, and I think what I'm asking is uh, obviously having Holmes hinders any chances of getting Jones. Yeah, um, like contract wise, depth chart wise, it just doesn't work out. Um, so, but like, <laughs> imagine if they could have just you could somehow ship off Holmes and sign Damian Jones. Damian Jones, like you were saying in the end of last season. He was so terrific at attacking the glass offensively. He had like a couple of tip and dunks. I think he tied up the game in Phoenix when Domas got hurt to send it to overtime. Yeah. I believe so. Jones? Yeah. He also had that tip in against the Pacers. The, that, yeah, that might have maybe yeah, that might have been that. Well, maybe it was both of them. Yeah. But he's terrific on that end. Like he said, he's good in a pick and roll. He can get some lobs sometimes. And he was pretty decent with his jump shot. Yeah, like surprisingly. Feet. I know he really worked on it. And it's just like, we're talking about it. It's like, okay, Holmes has been disappointing in switching, being able to switch. That's not necessarily Domas' strength to begin with. Len is just absolute liability switching on anybody smaller than him. 
Damian Jones would have been the best, most versatile center on this team defensively. Yeah. And his ability to protect the rim as kind of a roving rim protector, because he wasn't super, he's like 6'10, 6'11. Yeah. Not like super imposing height wise, but he had so many blocks from behind, like countless. He would have like two or three block games in those, in that like final 11 game stretch, whatever it was. Yeah. He was really good. He was terrific. And you always point out the fact that when he was in Golden State, he'd guard Clay Thompson in practice. And it's just like, he really was always good switching out on the perimeter. And we always pointed that out. I remember we wrote an article, you know, like, man, this guy's going to be in a rotation next year. And one of the big reasons was his ability to switch. And he's just been, he would have just been exactly what they need. And obviously maybe you want a little different form of rim protection, but it's like you, you have that behind uh, Domas. I think that second unit is just with it. And, for whatever's going on with Holmes, you know, I just feel like Damian Jones is just like level-headed guy. Kind of would have really fit in with Mike Brown's system. Not to say Holmes doesn't, but I just think that like to see Damian Jones on this team as the secondary center as opposed to Holmes and maybe even getting rid of Lynn too, or whatever the case may be, just having Damian Jones be the backup. Man, I just feel like this team would have a lot of the issues that they have now six games in uh, solved. He was just terrific. Yeah, I I think he would fit into Brown's system really well, and just it's just nice having a. a he was you know he's six eleven. Like you said, not super imposing, but taller than Holmes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like a he was a built guy. He wasn't like skinny. He was like pretty well built and very athletic at the same time. So, um, yeah, it was sad to see him go. Yeah. I was disappointed, and I was looking up his stats right now while you're talking and. He's only averaging 10 minutes a game in L.A. Yeah, he was. I don't think he played in the first two games for yeah. the Lakers. So, I don't know. Come back, Damien. Trade for him. Seriously. Trade Barnes for him. He can play the three. <laughs> Damien Jones would probably honestly be better out on an island against the guy than <laughs> yeah. Harrison Barnes is right now. Um, but, you know, it didn't really work out for the reasons we laid out. Just I think that if the Kings could have, they would have kept Damien Jones. But yeah. it just didn't work out. I don't know if they had the money for it. I don't know if they could have been able to do it depth chart-wise. Combination of that, just because Holmes is there, couldn't move him, maybe didn't want to move him, whatever the case was. It sounded like they couldn't move him, and they were just like, all right, we'll stick with him. <laughs> um, can't so. be that bad. I really probably, I, I would, if I had to guess, just pure speculation, I would guess that the Kings would have ideally would have had Damian Jones as their second center. Would have been cheaper. Would have been-, been better. Would have been cheaper. I, I still, I mean, oh God, there's still that potential at home. Yeah, I don't actually want to take away because I said he would have been better. It's not like they knew that. They were still like, man, if Holmes plays full potential off the bench, it's like you have that starter off the bench. Yeah, but if Holmes, like, I don't know. I, I think he's just not happy. I just don't think he likes, he doesn't, doesn't want to come off the bench. He didn't sign that contract to be coming off the bench. Yeah. And I think he's just, you know, he definitely, like, this guy played with energy. Like, we're, like, I, he barely played off the bench in his time in SAC because he replaced uh, Dwayne Dedman so quick. But he was, like, awesome like, off the bench in those first four games two seasons ago. And, uh, I mean, you just hope that he would keep that energy. You know, it's a perfect guy off the bench, a spark plug at that time. Or, you know, I, uh, he, he just he just hasn't he doesn't have that same energy. And it's just, it's just such a big part of his game. Mm-hmm. And it's just gone. It just seems like... He's there to do the motions. Yeah. And 
that's not the player Rashawn Holmes is. That wasn't what made him so special. And it seems to be gone now. And I think he's, I, that's why I think he's upset because that, that energy just seems to be just, it's just vanished. It also could be, and I said this at the beginning of training camp on media day, they asked him, I think Sean Cunningham asked him, like, it seems like everything's cleared up, but I mean, like, use everything like behind you. And like, he's like, yeah, like, fine. And it's like, of course he's going to say that. Yeah. Like 75% of things athletes say, especially about personal stuff, it's just, they're not telling you the truth. Um, and I think when it comes to that, I even said it, you know, on the podcast, and I'm sure other people have thought about it too. It's like, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. That was a big deal. Whatever was going on, whatever the case may be, when anything that's involving that kind of situation where it's a family entanglement, especially that it involves a child, um, again, regardless of whatever the case was, it sounds like everything was cleared up. That still affects you. Even if everything's quote unquote behind you, there's still residual effects. Yeah. Like these are, these are, these are blood relationships and that stuff can get bigger than basketball and whether he wants to admit it or not, sometimes that can affect him. I don't know if that's the case, but in the spirit of speculation, uh, it has to at least be considered. Yeah. I totally agree. I agree with that. Yeah. But I think that's kind of it. Uh, we got today. You got any bonus topics? No, wanna... no. That's I mean, I don't really have any bonus topics. I think we covered it well. And Kings play tonight against the Heat. Try to make it three straight wins. That'd be awesome after starting the season 0-4. And, and then, you, you know, potentially make it four straight against, you know, a team like Orlando on Saturday. So we'll see. No Fox tonight. Not sure his status uh, going forward, but we'll see if they can beat the Heat twice in a you know span of a week, and if Davion can continue playing well as a starter in the you know his career. So, any uh, any thoughts to wrap it up? Yeah, no, I guess on that note, it'll just be interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, the range of ball handlers. Uh, Delhi will be out there, but you got other ball handlers, you know. Herder, Monk, Davis, if you see Davis. Um, it'll be interesting. So looking forward to this. It's fun to play a team that you beat at home and then you get to go to their house and they're really revved up to beat you. Yeah. Other than they're coming off a back-to-back against the Warriors. Um, and, yeah, so this will be interesting. be nice to see the Kings win a game like that where the other team's coming off a back-to-back. Although they are on the East Coast. That's tough. Yeah, that is true. But... Um, they showed resiliency against Charlotte. Maybe they can show some tenacity in Miami. Not an easy place to win, but um, we'll see. I guess we'll figure find that out tonight. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. As always, this is Tony and John. Until next time, have a good one.